It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 61 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, and we're having uh, February, March, February, April. We're having some crazy, crazy weather right now. But, hey, it's more time for us to enjoy spring. Hi, my loy. So, today's Lawn and Garden Day, and you may call me to ask questions about your garden at 404-872-0750. Ashley Frasca is here. Screening calls. Josh Byers is here making sure we stay on the air, and we are here at your service for the next three hours from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. And happy to talk, happy to answer questions, happy to make sure that you get the information you need to be just a tiny bit more successful in your landscape. And I will tell you something that will amaze and mystify and make your family happy, and that is plant peas now. The sugar snap peas, I think, are just almost foolproof. This is, I am for real. I was planting sugar snap peas last Sunday, I think, Sunday or Monday one, and this is one of those things, the, the, the seeds are big. You can see the seeds. It's not little tiny things. You have to be careful about how many you put in a, in a hole. You put them in any rich soil that's got full sunshine on it. That's easy enough to do. You need something for them to climb. And so, honestly, while you're pruning shrubs in the other part of the yard, you can take little limbs and branches and things like that and just stick them in the ground. Stick them in the ground next to the pea row. And the peas will sprout within a week or two. It takes them a while. It takes them mm, 10 days at least before the peas will sprout. But then when those little green leaves start climbing up the, up the branches or whatever pea sticker thing you've made for them, then within by the, let's see, this is February, so by the first week of um, April, the peas will be blooming. And you get these sugar snap peas that can be flipped off of the vine, just mashed with your thumbnail. They will come off the vine. You can eat them raw right there in the yard, juice running down your face. It is the most delicious, early season, foolproof vegetable you can grow in your garden. Kids can plant them. I mean, this is the kind of thing that even a kid can plant because they're little green, little green seeds. It's easy. Just plant them. Put them in a row. Put them two or three inches apart from each other. No big deal. Plant peas now. I promise you, you will be greatly benefited by growing. They can be growing in pots. I planted some in some pots. I had a big 18-inch uh, pot on the deck, and so I put a ring of about ooh, 10 or 15, I guess, peas around that. It stuck the limbs in the sides of the pot to hold the, the uh, tendrils of the peas up in the air. And that's another place you can plant peas. Anywhere you have a sunny, rich soil. Not hard clay soil. They don't much care for that. But if you have a real soft, sunny spot, that is where you can grow peas. And I promise you will be thanking me in just a month or two when you eat those peas. What else did I plant this week? Carrots. Carrot seeds. Easy. I took the carrots, and I thought I had enough row, and then I thought, no, I've got more seeds here. So I put two more rows in and had two more rows of carrots in there. And one of the um, places that I planted the carrots is in what I call my really raised bed, which is a bed that's about three feet high on legs in my back patio. 
And so I planted the carrots there, and I can't wait to see uh, what they do in the raised bed. They should do fine, and we'll see how those carrots do. Last year, I had a little bit of a problem with the squirrels who came up and dug through my Swiss chard that I planted around this time of year. And so this time, I made a frame and put chicken wire on it and put the frame over the top of my bed so the squirrels can't get in there and dig up my carrots this time of year. Then, let's see what else happened this past weekend. This past week, Cameron came. And for those of you who don't know who Cameron is, Cameron is my neighbor Gus's mentee. Gus has been mentoring this young man for five or six years. He came from the Methodist Children's Home in Decatur. And Cameron, bless his heart, will work until you can't find another job for him. He is a great kid. And we put out bags and bags and bags of branches and leaves and limbs and things that we picked up. And he dug beds for me. And we pulled lumber away from the sides of the garden. We did all sorts of things this past week. Got a lot of things done. And then the county came and took it all away from us. That was great. Fabulous. Looked at all the flowers that are coming up. The daffodils, of course, came up and I've been admiring those, the different kinds of daffodils, of course. There's jonquils and little beady daffodils and white ones and orange ones and bicolor ones. If you haven't taken the time to buy one of those bags of 50 daffodils for $10 or something like that, you can get them from Pike. You can get them from big box stores as well sometime back in the fall. If you haven't taken the time to plant those, they're another foolproof, foolproof plant that gives you all the wonderful springtime enjoyment that you possibly can manage. And in fact, I meant to write a note on a card and put it in the mailbox of a neighbor whom I don't even know. They live about a mile and a half from me. And they have a pretty big shaded front lawn. And evidently, over the years, you can sort of tell that they've planted daffodils every fall and have been filled up the spots. There's a spot over here full of yellow daffodils, a spot over here full of white daffodils, a spot over here full of some other colored daffodils. So it looks like every fall for the past two or three years they've planted their daffodil bulbs, and they look gorgeous right now. And I just want to put a card in the mailbox saying, thank you for doing this. This looks awesome. Daffodils are great. Hyacinths blooming. They're fragrant as all get out. My daffodils is fading right now. The paper bush is fading a little bit. Still smells fine, but the blooms are fading a little bit on the uh, plants. Man, mm, lots going on. And don't ask me to explain why the spring is so early this year, why the warm weather is so early. I'm simply enjoying it. This is a wonderful time of year. It's warm in the outside in the afternoon, 70-some degrees yesterday. Chilly this weekend. We'll have the forecast full in just a minute. But nonetheless, this has been a wonderful week for me to get outside and be in my T-shirt and just do a little digging around and monkeying around in the garden. We go to the phones, first of all, with our friend from Griffin, GA, our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeve. Hi, Nicole. Good morning, good morning. That's the best time to you for us gardeners, isn't it? If you get depressed when it's cold and rainy and miserable in other parts of the year, you can always look forward and say, at least spring is pretty much guaranteed to be a pretty time of year. Because there's a lot of recognition because we put all this hard work and it's being of springtime. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I mean, spring is when things that we did months ago, when they finally come to fruition, those bulbs I was talking about a while ago, they finally show up and you say, man, I'm glad I planted them. 
You know those daffodils you buy in the 50 yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, bag? Sometimes you get the best one, the rare one, because they get, I don't know, they get the last one, and they cannot tell which one. <laughs> well, I got some specimen, big yeah, time, yeah, in those yeah. 50 bags. Yeah, you, it's sort of a pig in a poke kind of thing, but again, 50 for, you know, 10 bucks, 10, 12 bucks, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's a bargain. That'll, that'll pay you back year after year after year. And you, uh, you leave the leaves on until they die because that's how they, yeah. uh, and it's time to fertilize them. The more you fertilize, because they produce so many babies, isn't it? Well, you know, that's one of the things I was noticing is that the clumps of daffodils that I call my grandmother's daffodils that are growing in the ditch and beside the old farm place in Fayette County. Um, it's only the outside of the clump that has flowers because they have not been divided in years, 10 years probably, since anybody took the time to divide those clumps. And you're right that if you have any kind of fertility in the soil, pretty soon you have such a big clump that sometimes they don't bloom as well as they could if they were divided a little bit. So yeah, it's time to divide after a while. Oh, it's just a spectacular this time of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Camellia's still blooming right now? Your camellia's blooming? Oh, Mr. Reeves. You know, Monday afternoon I come back from work and a little tired. I always go through the UGA campus in Griffin. Oh, sure. And there's a lot of camellia um, around that time, but there is one. Oh, boy. You <laughs> should see him. The flower is not bigger than the 50 cents. And it is so fragrant, and I said, I have to propagate this. Mm. I have to have it in my yard. You can do it. Camellias are oh. not hard to propagate. Do it during the early summer would be the right time, I think, to do it. You can either take cuttings or you can uh, do a thing called air layering where you wrap it with sphagnum moss and plastic. Uh, but it's not hard. It's not hard at all to propagate camellias. If I go on the need to tree, do they... Propagate by lay by uh, if you put a brick. Yeah, they should. They should just like you would a grapevine or sometimes hydrangeas if you layer a limb down. Are they going to let you do this at the University of Georgia? I don't think so. But I was just surprised. I did. I didn't go on the need to see some of them. They don't. Put, <laughs> the 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 branch are not low enough. Ask, you know, take your pruners one day, Nicole, and go over and ask permission. Do not do any pruning when no. nobody's looking, but do, do the legal part. And just say, could I have three, one, two, three cuttings off this camellia sometime in uh, late May, early June? And I bet somebody there would be nice enough to let you have those three, and then you can take them home. And I have directions on my website of how to propagate camellia cuttings. And it's not hard. You use a pot and a two-liter Coke bottle to go over the top, and they'd work fine. Are those all camellia smell? Oh, this one is just really fragrant. Some are completely fragrance-free, and some have a smell that not it's not like a rose exactly, but there's some that are fragrant. You're exactly right. Yes, because uh, the newest one, I have newer one, and uh, like candy cane, uh -huh. and they don't smell anything. But the old one, the flower gets so big that they all fall off. Big and heavy and dull. Grandmother. Grandmother camellias was great, big, heavy things that grandmother would bring in and float in a saucer or a bowl in the middle of the table. That would be that'd be what you have. Oh, yeah. Hi, yeah. my, my. Well, it is 818. I got to go, Nicole. It's great talking to you. I hope you get that camellia. Let me know when uh, June rolls around, and I'll give you some more tips on how to propagate it. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We'll see you soon at 618. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. The temperature this morning and today is going to be a little weird. It's 60, what, 61, 62 degrees right now. Dropping down a couple of degrees in the next couple of hours. Then it goes back up again to... 61, 62, 63 maybe degrees this afternoon. Even though it's sunny, it's going to be chilly as the cold front comes through. And then uh, overnight, dropping down to the mid to low 30s, I think I heard Kirk, Kirk say a minute ago. Tomorrow, a little bit warmer, not much colder overnight. We're in the 40s tomorrow night. But I don't think there's any need to cover anything if you have leaves popping up, certainly not daffodils and tulips and irises and things like that. Certainly no danger to them at all. If you've planted tomatoes, yes, you need to cover your tomatoes. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Gene in Bremen, Georgia joins us. Hey, Gene, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, my husband's trimmed up the fruit trees and all that, and he's wanting to fertilize them now. Yeah. And I'm wanting to know... What I can do, my camellias, they're blooming. Yeah, good. But they look really yellow like a light color. Wow. And my camellias, the leaves, they, uh, and gardenia bushes, they look really weak or bad. Is it all over the plant or just a few leaves here and there that are yellow? Well, it's scattered. Hmm. They just don't look healthy. I'll give you some clues. And as far as fertilizing the fruit trees for your husband, yes. Now I think the leaves are budding out and the new root growth will happen in just a few weeks when it warms up. And so, yeah, sure, it's a great time to put fertilizer on things that are beginning to grow right now. So tell him to get to that. And on the chameleon gardenia, here's what to look for. If it is simply a matter of older leaves being shed because the new growth has come out, and, you know, we've had this warm weather gene for a couple of weeks now, and there has been new growth, certainly, on some of these shrubs that I see. And if that new growth is has come out and taken away nitrogen from the inner leaves, then they'll drop those inner leaves pretty readily. That happens on gardenias and magnolias and uh, hollies sometimes and camellias, I guess, too. So if the inner leaves are yellow and the outer leaves are green, no problem. If it's the whole plant that turns yellow, the whole plant that looks unthrifty, and you've been gardening long enough, you know what an unthrifty plant looks like. But if the whole plant is yellow, then tell your husband to take a detour around the camellia and around the gardenia and throw some fertilizer over there too because it sounds like they might be lacking a little bit in the fertilizer um, uh, realm. You can use azalea camellia fertilizer on them. Frankly, you could probably use some of the apples and the pears. They wouldn't care either. Or use the same fertilizer on both. It really doesn't matter too much. Thanks for calling, Gene. It's 628. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 6.36 and 61 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or don't want to do in your garden. And if you don't know how to do it, I'm your guy. I've probably done it before. I've probably made a mistake and corrected myself or seen other people make mistakes and thought, hmm, there's a better way to do it than that. I can tell you when, how, how, when. When, how, why, and who to do in your garden. Let's go to the phones. People have been waiting this morning. Scott's in Smyrna, and he joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. How can I help, man? Well, this is the weekend I have set aside to prune my rose bushes. Yeah, okay. But with all the warm weather, we've got a lot of sprouting, and I'm just concerned whether I need to do anything different than normal or whether I just go ahead and proceed. Nope. Do the same you, as you would do normally when it would be just little buds sticking out right now. But as you say, there's sprouts six or seven inches long. Still in all, it'll be better for the rose if you take off, well, you know, the sort of the hierarchy of pruning a rose, shrub roses in particular, like knockout roses and things like that. Uh, you try to take any dead branches off first. That's easy enough to do. And then you take off any branches that are crossing through the middle. They don't make flowers anyway, so you take those off. And then when you make your final pruning cuts, they're above a bud that faces to the outside of the shrub because that gives you better air circulation in the middle, helps to prevent disease. And then I want to add one more thing to it, Scott. And this is what I was doing yesterday to my roses, and that is spray them with fungicide because if you don't, with those leaves on it right now, you're going to have black spot in 32 seconds. It's going to be really, really important this year, I think, to prune, ro or not prune, but to spray roses with fungicide to prevent black spot to keep them from defoliating in the summertime. Go ahead and spray them now. And, and then when should I put my first? Uh, fertilizing down I think now. I think, you know, my rule of thumb is you fertilize when the things are just about to grow rapidly, whether it's fruit trees, roses, bulbs, lawns, whatever you got. If it's got actively growing roots and foliage, then that's the time to fertilize. So now's the time. Great. Thanks very much, Walter. All right, Scott. Great talking to you. Okay. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Scott's place. Kay is out in Bishop, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kay, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have uh, done some construction around the house. I need to redo the landscape plant foundation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Around the house, and this is wall shade. And so I had generated dollars. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, 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 okay. You are going through a really bad sale. I want to put you on hold for a minute and go to another caller, and then I'll come back to you, and we'll see if your connection has straightened up a little bit, because I can barely hear what you're saying there. And we'll go to Ricky instead. Ricky's down in Griffin and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Ricky. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, I got a catarbo tree that is actually three or four small trees growing up off a damaged stump. Yeah, awesome. And it was growing up through a shrub. Well, I cut all the shrub out, and now I got three or four tall trees that was only having leaves right at the top. Yeah. What I want to do is cut this thing down. And my question is, you know, how much, how low can I cut it, and what time of year to cut it. Uh, why do you want to cut it down? What's the reasoning there, Ricky? Well, I like to fish with the worms, and I can't want to get as tall as they are. It's <laughs> okay. kind of hard to get them off there. <laughs> way above your head. Okay. <laughs> yeah, way above. These things are about doggone 14, 15 feet tall. Yeah, 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 because the tree itself wants to be that tall. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, you may cut it this year, but next year, the year after that, it's going to be back up to 14, 20 feet tall. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because you're just, well, I, you know, come to think of it, I'm, I'm, my head is buzzing here, Ricky, thinking, what if he did a little bonsai on this Catawba tree? If you are pretty persistent, Ricky, you could cut it now at about, let me think, let me think, cut it at about five feet high from the ground. Each one of the stumps, each one of the trunks that you have, cut them at five feet high. Within the next two or three months, you're going to get lots of fast regrowth. It'll grow up another three feet probably in the next two or three months. And then, this is the key, if you take, it could be your thumbnail or it could be a pruner and just clip out the tops of each one of the limbs that's higher than, let's say, eight feet. Just okay. clip out the tip. And what that'll make it do is re-sprout pretty close to that point, lower than that point, and so you'll get this real thick growth that looks sort of like a, an umbrella, in a sense, which is fine with you. You want the limbs down and the leaves down where the worms can be picked off the tree. And if you're just persistent about just clipping every month or so, go out and walk around it and clip off the little tips of the branches with your thumbnail or a clipper or something, then it will stay short. It wouldn't want to stay short, but you're keeping it short by clipping off the ends of the branches. And if you'll just do that persistently and don't let any of it get ahead of you, you could have a little shrub catawba tree. Sure, why not? Okay. Well, you know, I ain't want to just reach up and grab them, but I didn't want them to be, you know, way, way tall. Where did you get your uh, tree to begin with, Ricky? This was a an old uh, family piece of land. Yeah. And judging by the size of this trunk that all these stuff growing up off of, this was a real big tree at one time. Yeah. And the reason I'm asking is because I got an email from a guy oh, a couple, three days ago, and he said, I want to buy a Catawba tree. And he lives in somewhere in Fairburn, I think, somewhere in south in south of Atlanta. And yeah. I just wondered if you'd gotten this from a nursery or if you you know got seeds from the market bulletin or something like that. But if it's an old family tree, then no telling where it came from. Oh, yeah. This thing's been there for years. I I guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, it should work, Ricky. Just keep it small and just be persistent. It's going to want to be taller than you want it to be, <laughs> and your job is to give it the signal, clip off the ends so it can't get any taller. All right, I appreciate it. All right, man, let me know in, like, June or July how it goes, all right? I will do it. All Thank right, you. Rick, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Right, By the way, I actually talked to Gene for just a minute. What, or QK for just a minute. What would K want, Ash? Kay's out in Bishop, Georgia, That's but way, she yeah. wanted to know if you're aware of a fungus. She was reading a publication from mm -hmm. the University of Georgia. If you're aware of a fungus that may affect sweet box shrubs, because she wants to know whether or not she can plant them. Mm. Not sweet box, certainly box wood. Box wood shrubs are, whoa, box wood shrubs are getting eat up, as we say in the country. They get an eat up with a fungus on boxwoods called boxwood blight. And I saw yesterday that the what call it, Horticulture um, uh, Association in for the nation has, I think they've identified $160,000 for a research project to figure out what we're going to do about controlling boxwood blight, because it's very, 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 very hard to control. But sweet box, which is a different plant completely, a sarcococca, and I haven't seen anything about sweet box. Box woods, yes. She may have been under the assumption, I don't want to speak for her, but she yeah. may have been under the assumption sweet box was from the family of boxwood. So if they're completely unrelated, then that's that's better. They're not unrelated, but I don't think the blight gets on sweet box for the same one that gets on box woods. All right. Well, hopefully Kay, Kay gets her information there. Other than that, Kay, hey, 
Google. <laughs> Find out Google and what they say or call the extension office there in Oconee County and ask them if they have any knowledge about the sweet box fungus. Frank is in Watkinsville speaking about there in Oconee County, Madison, Morgan County. Hey, Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How can I help, Frank? I'm wondering with all this warm weather, whether it's too late to put down my pre-emergent. It is not too late, and today would be the day. (laughs) You are the man, Frank, because I think what is going on is the soil temperatures are rapidly rising. I didn't look this morning. I meant to look before I came to the station, but the soil temperatures, as they rapidly rise, that is what triggers crabgrass to sprout. And as long as you get a pre-emergent out before the seeds sprout, you're golden. You're good to go. And it ain't going to be long before the crabgrass seeds are going to sprout. And so, Franklin, I think you better go and get it done now. Yeah. It's going to go on the list. All right. And for listeners who want to know, what is this pre-emergent stuff? Remember, it's just a chemical that keeps seeds from sprouting. You do not put it on your lawn if you're about to plant uh, fescue or Bermuda seed or something like that because it will keep them from sprouting, too. With their brand names like Halts, for instance, H-A-L-T-S, that Scotts makes. Um, Lesco makes the pre-emergent with the fertilizer added on 007 pre-emergent. There's two or three others, and I really prefer using the straight pre-emergent without any fertilizer attached to it. I think that works better that way. So, Frank, go look for some Halts or for some uh, Lesco or other brand name. And I have Lesco, so... Yeah. I'm going to get it out before it rains today. That is exactly the, what I wanted to hear you say. Get it out before it rains and put it out good. Thanks thanks for calling, Frank. All right. Catch you later. 404-872-0750 gets you in on Frank's slot right there. Mike's down in McDonough in Henry County. Hey, Mike. Morning. How you doing, sir? I'm all right. Mike, what's going on? Hey, I've tried to grow raspberries for years, and they seem to do good for about three years, and then they fizzle out. Am I doing something wrong, or the raspberries just don't grow very good down here? Uh, what'll happen, I think, sometimes is if you don't have really soft soil around the original raspberry plant, if you've ever grown them successfully before, they like blackberries. They have little runners, you know, that sprout up from the ground two or three feet away from the mother plant. And they renew themselves that way. But if you have just sort of a small area that you plant the raspberry in, the runners that try to grow never go very far. And like you, mine seem to fizzle out after two or three years as well. But if you dig a big wide bed or a nice long bed, three, four feet wide and 10, 12 feet long, you should have raspberries in that for five or 10 years without any problem. Well, uh, let me ask you a different question. I know there's two ways to prune them. Yeah. Uh, one is to cut them all down to the ground and you just yeah. get a fall crop or just prune out the dead ones and you get a small spring crop and a and a fall crop. Yeah. Since I'm greedy, I always just want both crops. <laughs> do, you think, do you think they would do better if I tried to, you know, mow them down? I have only that. I've only ever done the the one that you describe as cutting out the dead parts, cutting out the canes that bore last year. That's the only way I've ever grown rose, raspberries and blackberries. So I don't know about the mowing down. It seems sort of murderous to me. Mow yeah, <laughs> exactly. all down. Okay. I want they they're going to come back. Either. What's going on? So yeah, the only thing that I do is I cut out the dead canes from last year and let them bear. All right, I guess I'll keep trying. Thank you, sir. All right, Rick. Thanks for calling. Mike, I mean, thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 is the number. In the next half hour, Kristen wants to know about river birch. The sap is coming out from a place you pruned. Wants to know, is that going to hurt the tree? Susan in Lilburn wants to know about pre-emergent on a moss garden. 
We'll talk to Tim in Peachtree City as well. At 648, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. The temperature right now, 60 degrees. In two or three hours, it's going to be 58 degrees. And after that, back up to 60 degrees. Not a whole lot of temperature change today. Overnight, though, it gets chilly down to the high 30s, perhaps, overnight. And then tomorrow, a little bit warmer, 61, 62, and overnight in the 40s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Kristen is in Woodstock and joins us in Lana Garden. Hey, Kristen, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. How can I help? Good. Well, I have a river birch out front, and it appears to be crying. Yeah. My husband had pruned off some of the branches, not up to the trunk, but kind of in the middle, which was not too great. But even when it's dry out, yeah. it, it's like water's coming out. Drip, 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 drip. Yeah. Drip. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering, do we need to close up those holes, um, or is it just natural and forget about it? I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Natural and forget about it. That's the right okay. answer. And, and <laughs> okay. I, I'll, I'll tell you, when I saw your question, Kristen, I knew immediately the situation. Somebody pruned a branch on a river birch. It, it could be a maple. It could be uh, muscadine grapes right now. If you delay pruning until after the leaves have started popping out on trees, and the grapes certainly, they will bleed for a long time, sometimes a week, and it just worries the stew out of you because you're sure they're okay. bleeding to death. <laughs> it's going to hurt them. <laughs> but it doesn't hurt them at all. And so, okay, so it's actually sap that's coming out? You yeah. said that, okay. Yeah, it's it's not up. sticky, though. Well, like it's, it doesn't have a lot of sugar in there yet, so no big oh, deal. It's okay. coming from the roots. There's not a lot of uh, minerals and sticky stuff in the water that comes from the roots. Um, one okay. of the things, one of the interesting pictures that I have is of a dogwood tree, and this was, ooh, that must have been a four-inch diameter limb that was cut off of a dogwood tree, and it was allowed to bleed for, I don't know, a week or two. And, you know, Kristen, there are fungi floating around of all different species. There's thousands and thousands of different fungi, but the one that happened to get onto this sap that was coming down the trunk of this dogwood tree happened to be one that formed carotenoids. And so you had this huge orange river of stuff, bubbly stuff, it looked like, coming down the trunk of a dogwood tree, which was just mm -hmm. fascinating to me to see what nature can do sometimes with a little bit of water and a tiny bit of minerals and a fungi, fungus running around to do something interesting. Probably didn't yeah, hurt well, the dogwood. It's always looking for water. Yeah, for sure. not, not going <laughs> to hurt your birch tree in the least at all. If you wanted to, if you wanted to do this and had a maple, heck, river birches are akin to maples, you could do it too. If you want to put a little pint jar, a little bucket underneath the drip and catch some of that drippiness and very slowly evaporate the moisture off of it, you might get a dab of sugar in there because that's how you make sugar maple syrup is just capturing the sap and evaporating the water. You can do it from birch sap or from maple sap if you wanted to. Sounds like a good experiment for my kids. Try and see. I would love to know what happens. All right. Thank you, Walter. Sure, Kristen. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750. The number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after news. Could not speak. 
Grab me one time 